Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Got on Guardians Twins here. Uh, Cleveland just keeps rolling. Um, I think this is like the tail end of what was a five-game series. They had a doubleheader the other day, and it they a game went to the 15th inning bottom of the 15th uh twins just with a brutal loss um and we're obviously going to get into our power rankings here today um week 20 week 21 week 21 um and it's just sad the twins like a month ago no like two weeks ago it was a three-horse race for this AL Central, and the Twins have just absolutely collapsed. Um, you hate to see that, but we're going to get into that. Um, you know, LJ and I, we were kind of talking. Not a lot of change in our power rankings. I can tell you that only one team or no team dropped more than two spots this week um, in my rankings. Not a lot of change. But there is some interesting stories. I did touch a little bit on a few things yesterday that I definitely want to bring up with LJ today. Um, but shall we get right into it? LJ, are you chilling? We're we're vibing. Yeah, we're vibing. You want to well, go? Love it. Me first ten. Sure, run through. 
Starting at the bottom, once again, we got the Washington Nationals in 30, the A's at 29, the Pirates at 28, the Tigers at 27, the Reds at 26, the Cubs at 25, the Marlins at 24, the Royals at 23, the Rockies at 22, the Rangers at 21, and the Angels at 20. Um, I don't even know where that's... Yeah, that's a good spot to stop. Only thing I have really to touch on here is the Royals. I give them praise once, and this is what I get. I get, what is it, four and six over the last ten? Three and seven over the last. Three and seven over the last ten. I give them one good week, which I still stand by what I said, and I'm already having to drop them. It's just not a good precedent, especially after, I think, that had to have been their peak for the year, correct? Yeah. They, they they opened at 28 for me. So, yeah, that was – they peaked at 22 and immediately started dropping. Good job, team. I've got the Nationals at 30, the A's at 29. I flipped the Tigers and Pirates, 28 and 27, respectively. Royals 26, Reds 25, flip the Rockies and Marlins uh, 24 and 23, Cubs at 22, Angels 21, Rangers 20. Um, you know, the Rockies went are, are, uh, seven and three over their last 10, um, hitting the ball fairly well. You like to see that out of Colorado. Um, that's why I did bump them up a spot. But other than that, um, yeah, all these teams played pretty bad this week. I mean, Reds were two and eight over the last 10, Nats three and seven, Royals three and seven, A's three and seven, Diamondbacks three and seven, Marlins three and seven. Um, the bad teams are, are playing bad. So, I would say the only the best way to describe this group, and I'm going to group in our number 19 as well, the Arizona Diamondbacks, into this, is that clip the other week of Key Brian Hayes not getting involved in the play because he was too busy with his glove off eating sunflower seeds at third base. That's pretty much this this group at this point. You can't expect good weeks. No, especially at this point in the season, you know, you certainly have to feel for the players because, like, look, yes, you are losing a lot, but losing sucks. No one wants to be losing this many games. Um, it's a long season. These guys are hurt. They're tired. They're beat up at this point, and they are counting down the games, um, certainly at this point. And then they've already booked their vacations, a lot of these guys, LJ, have they? Oh, for sure. You know, this this is the start of off-season mode. I think especially the veterans who, you know, probably aren't getting as many plate appearances at this point in the year. Now that you've had September call-ups, you have a few young guys that the organization definitely wants to look at while they have them here and while they have nothing else to lose. So these guys are getting less work. They have their mind less in it and certainly less less legitimate responsibility. Yeah, they can't wait to go to Cabo. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going to move ahead and I'm going to get all of the mountain playoff teams out of the way here. At 18, I've got the Minnesota Twins. 
At 17, the San Francisco Giants. The Red Sox move up to 16. The Orioles sit here at 15. The White Sox at 13. And then I have the San Diego Padres as my 13th best team. Look, this is going to sound kind of homery. We have to turn the rally caps on the entire nation. Yankees fans, everyone, for the Boston Red Sox. This team, while already eliminated, I get that. Four games under 500. We still have a shot at a fully above 500 division, which I think with the way that the Red Sox came out of the All-Star break, none of us expected it to actually happen. But they've been able to dig themselves back out of that hole a little bit and into a a position where they can very easily like this is a one series difference, one week difference to get back above five hundred and have an entire division above five hundred for the season. It would be incredible if if that actually happened. Um, and of course. Rafi Devers, Xander Bogarts, all playing really good. You know, we expect them to play good. But, you know, what about a guy like Alex Verdugo, who has really had a good season, just kind of under the radar, in my opinion, LJ, but he's been solid once again. Yeah, he's getting exactly what you want out of him. And I, the thing that drives me nuts and most disappointing thing about this, too, is you look at his numbers and, you know, 770 OPS, nine home runs on the year. Those aren't anything like eye-popping. That's not necessarily like all-star lock MVP type stuff. But it's good stuff. And it's much better stuff when he plays the position that I think he's, you know, a much better fit with, which is left field. Now that Tommy Pham is here, that's, of course, not as much of an option for him, unfortunately. But... Everybody always compares and says, oh, that was a bust. That was It was such a bad trade. The Red Sox got nothing out of it. When, in fact, you said it last year. I'm, I've come much more around to it this year. This is a top probably five left fielder. Just because right field is one of the deepest positions in baseball and where all of the superstars hide doesn't mean that he's not a really good player. When you look at him compared to the left fielders, it looks so much more better, and I think so much better, and I think is much more fair. Let me run through my non-playoff teams. Diamondbacks at 19, Giants 18, Red Sox 17. They stay the same from last week. Twins, I drop one spot to 16. White Sox, I drop two spots to 15. Orioles stay the same at 14. Brewers at 13, who drop, who or who gain three spots from last week. And I'll throw in the Phillies at 12 because I want to talk about that. That's what I talked about on yesterday's show, LJ. This weekend, the Phillies, that so that 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 door was was just barely open. It was creaked open, right? And then the Phillies getting swept by the Braves and the Brewers taking two out of three from the Yankees. 
they 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 open the door up now for for this third wild card spot. And I know the Phillies are still very likely to end up getting this wild card spot. But I went through this uh some of the schedule stuff, LJ. Philly, th- th- these next six games are not easy. Two against Toronto and then four against Atlanta again. Meanwhile, the Brewers, sure, they have the Mets tonight, but they've got Corbin Burns on the mound, okay? Three against the Mets, and then four in Cincinnati. By by this time next week, LJ, this could be turning out to be the biggest story that we're, we're, we're talking about is this last uh, NL wildcard spot. Why do we need to talk about the last NL wildcard spot? The last two NL wildcard. Can we talk about the last two? Because that's really, I think it's very tough to ignore the fact that San Diego, who I think, you know, just from an eye test perspective, has been the least impressive out of the three teams in this race. Easily. Except for this this weekend, they did look exceptional. Um, They did win three in a row. They still, played the Diamondbacks. No, I know. But still, it was much needed wins for them. Because they they had been struggling tremendously. So, um, They had. But let's talk about the fact that this is still a half-game lead. Least impressive team has to play St. Louis, then go to Coors. Then they have the Dodgers, the White Sox, and the Giants to end the year. That's a couple really good teams. Those are at least two series that they shouldn't expect to walk away from with the wins. One series against the Rockies that they have to win. That is a must-win, like, take the easy ones where you get them. And then those White Sox and Giants ones, I think those are both teams that are on their level in terms of quality. They need to be able to jump out and take those. That's where this wild card spot is won, is in those two series. You step up against your the like teams, and you're going to get in. If not, I can still see them slipping out of this. But Philly, again, <laughs> Philly's going to feel really to get back to your point here. They 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 find a way to do this, and they found a way to do this all season where they get cold at the worst times. I just really hope this isn't actually one of those stretches. It, it is quite possibly the worst time for them to have a four-game losing streak. And I was talking, like, on the show yesterday, and I was like, yeah, like, sure, you did run into the Braves, and you did have to run up against Spencer Strider yesterday. But you but you couldn't even win a game. You had to get swept. It could be two out of three. Uh, it's so it's so frustrating. It's it's it must be. You know, I'm hoping that we end up with a situation like we did last year um in the AL wildcard race, where it's just absolute chaos, all these different scenarios that can happen on the last day of the season. Um mm. it'd be fantastic. Just like give us something to root for. And the the other storyline is that that top wild card spot's going to the Mets and or Braves, and while the Mets do have a game lead, they're tied in the loss column, which is what you have to be looking at at this point in the season is the loss column because not everyone has played the same amount of games. 
Yeah, again, we've said it time and time again, this is all great storylines, all things we're going to follow, but we do have to keep moving here. Um, you went through your 12, Brandon. Yes. I will take us up to the big four. Why don't I just take it all the way through? Because my big four actually didn't change. Um, I'm going to slide on through here with the Brewers here at 12, followed by the Blue Jays at 11, the Phillies at 10, the Rays at 9, the Guardians at 8, the Mariners at 7, the Yankees at 6, the Cardinals at 5, and then we got Astros, Braves, Dodgers, Mets. I've got the Padres at 11. They drop a spot. Guardians jump up two spots to number 10, and their game just ended. That's now eight of their last 10 that they've won, um, tied for the best in the MLB. Guardians are getting hot at absolutely the right time. Mariners drop two spots from seven to nine. Rays drop two spots from six to eight. The Blue Jays jump up from nine to seven. The Yankees jump up from eight to six. Um, Cardinals at five. Braves drop a spot to number four. I flip them with the Mets. Um, Mets at three. Astros two. Dodgers number one. Um, Dodgers first team to get to 100 wins. Um, fastest team to reach 100 wins since the 2001 Mariners. It only took them 144 games. Uh, best OPS, best run scored, lowest ERA. Oh, and Clayton Kershaw, in case anyone has been paying attention, um, he came back and has a 1.5 ERA in the 18 innings that he's come back since in September. So just just such a scary team. Um, this is just a reminder, though, in setting this precedent, setting this standard. You cannot be the greatest team of all time without the World Series ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just need to get that set out there before that talking point even begins. I don't care what your record is in the regular season. That's all the more reason to go out and prove it in the post. And I need that extra trophy. Like as much as I've always, I'm always the biggest one campaigning for the pennants to go to the best, the team with the best record, the number one seed going into the playoff should get the technical ALNL pendant or pendant pennant. Um, but I think I need that extra bit for it to be greatness. Like, I don't see Seattle's run as being the best, as much as they should have technically, you know, won something for being the best regular season team. The fact that they didn't fully execute drags that down, and it'll drag the Dodgers down too if they can't get out of another year with another loaded NL. Well... Now that we made it through our power rankings, there was a couple other stories that we wanted to touch on. Um, first, it looks like David Price is going to be calling it quits after this year. A lot of speculation. He did kind of clear it up and say, like, I'm going to make a decision at the uh, after this year, but my whole body hurts. Um, safe to say if the Dodgers win the World Series, he's definitely done. And even if they don't, LJ and I put it at like a 75-25%, um, 75% chance that he retires. 
gonna go down as Hall of Very Good. Unfortunately, will not make the Hall of Fame. Um, but that early stretch he had with with Tampa Bay, um, and then even on the Tigers was just absolutely filthy. And we can't discredit anything he did with the Red Sox either. Um, forty baseball reference war, just. Yeah, Hall of Very Good first ballot, absolutely. Not discrediting anything he did the Red Sox, certainly. However, we need to at least, you know, acknowledge if it were to go right towards Hall of Fame, that's where you point to. He very much struggled with adapting to that city. And it was his first time in a really big market, is the thing. A big market that doesn't adore everything that comes to it like toronto um toronto is always just like oh shiny toy every single time they get a new player and he was lights out for them that postseason and yeah. that after the trade deadline no no question it took him two two and a half i'd say good years to get there the way i remember it, it was all-star break 2018 after that that's when he showed up and he did flat out did show up I will give him that 2019 year felt like for at least part of it, you know, particularly again, another back half, I think for that back half of 18 back half of 19, he looked like the old David price again, which just again, kind of shows signs of the wear and tear, which isn't his fault. Like no one can, no one can stop father time. It's just kind of the Red Sox fault for handing him such a massive contract for the things he'd done prior, which is the only way you can do it, right? But you don't do that when you know, you know, look at the guy, the physical, maybe this guy isn't 100% where we think he is, and maybe we're going to start to see the decline. If there's any question of the decline coming soon, you can't take that risk. But again, you can only know so much. And the Tigers, they have finally found someone to fill their front office spot that was vacant by uh, when they fired Al Avila as GM back in early August. And it will be Scott Harris. Um, if that name sounds sounds a little familiar, um, he is the current San Francisco Giants GM, of course, Farhan Zahidi is kind of the guy that calls all the shots there in San Francisco. Um, but this is a guy who was with the Cubs from 2012 to 2019, um, was director of baseball operations and then assistant GM. Prior to that, he was working for the MLB as the coordinator of major league operations. This is a guy who is just incredibly smart. Um, UC graduated from UCLA uh, with an economics degree in 2009. Then MBA from the Northwestern School of Management, which is an extraordinarily very, very good school. Um, also spent a little bit of time with the Nationals and Reds um, earlier in his career but 
to see a guy who was working with Theo Epstein and the Cubs for so long, you know, during that um, run, run that they had, that kind of, I don't want to say a dynasty, but it was, there was a prolonged stretch of dominance for the Cubs, for sure. Um, I think that this is a good move for the Tigers, who are in clear need of of something, because... I just can't believe that that they're that they end up with with this record. I mean, the offense is nothing short of horrible. It's easily the worst offense in the league. Lots to like with the pitching staff. A lot of young guys. A lot of guys that ended up unfortunately getting hurt on the pitching staff as well. But um, some moves definitely got to be made here. Um. There's too much young talent on this team that is getting wasted. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, they haven't been nearly what everyone was expecting them. Akil Badu, you know, we haven't talked about him in a long time and for pretty good reason. I mean, he's, he's How is terrible. he doing though? Real uh, talk. He has been doing terrible. Um any more specifics on that or do I need to Sure. Um 166 166- 166 plate appearances, one home run, a 182, 271, 236 slash line. Uh, terrible. That's tough. Overall, LJ, though, I think that it's the right move for the Tigers here to at least hire someone who, I mean, clearly has a lot of experience with winning teams, and especially last year with the Giants, who, of course, had the best record in the league. Yeah. I'm very much getting sick of the whole trend of go with the new hot shot, go with the new analytics man. Now, granted, he, I don't know what his style is. It's probably going to be very heavily analytics-based either way. But, like, going for these guys out of the Dodgers and Rays camp that haven't had the same multi-place experience, I like the fact – that's probably my favorite thing about him is that he's been in multiple places – and had success already in multiple places before this being his first big shot. So look at the Cubs, 2012-2019. That was the entire peak of that group. That was them, the division winner, the contender, the World Series champion. All the way through that, they didn't start, they didn't take that drop until after he'd already been gone. And when he moved on, let's look at that Giants team. That's a Giants team... 2019, they hadn't sniffed 500 since 2016. They wouldn't get there in 2019, but they'd get closer. And if I'm correct, 60-game season, they finished just two games under, barely out of – or did they make it? No, they made the wild card, right? No, the the Giants did not make the playoffs that year. However, it was like – They were the last one out. Yeah, like it was – I, I remember in, in the National League specifically, it was like you could have had a 500 record and made it or something crazier. The Marlins might have had a under 500 record and made it. Miami um, went 31 and 29. Yes. Yeah, so it was like probably one game out, like one game away. Or no, much. the final team in was Milwaukee, who also had 29 and 31. Okay, so so they lost on like a tiebreaker rule then or something. Yes, and ultimately, yeah, this is – but that's 100% a step in the right direction being 
on the verge of the playoffs and then win the division in year three with him being an integral part of that front office. This is a very good spot to be. I've been thinking a lot about this, mostly in reference to soccer and um, the whole bully, bully ball situation where, you know, the English people are really showing themselves and how much of just absolute D-bags they can be about the whole all-star game comment, which honestly might be a good idea for us to get into on this show sometime in the next week, seeing its connection to the Dodgers and to baseball being so strong. But I think as a whole across sports, we need to start putting greater value on the guys who've been there before. I'm not saying we have to bring in all ancient Tony LaRussa's and stuff who don't have touch with the game, but somebody who maybe maybe has been there, lost it, got fired or moved on from that spot and is ready for a new challenge. Somebody who's been able to go to multiple places, find success, gain that experience. I mean, that's why I can't um, comprehend anyone being so down on bully trying to bring new ideas, bring a fresh perspective in here, because this is a guy who's built one of the biggest brands in baseball, one of the biggest brands in the world, a brand in the Dodgers that's bigger than the vast, vast majority of the English pyramid. And they scoff and they say he's ruining the sport. How can you say that when this man's, again, doing so much more than you with markets that are, roughly comparable i would say actually the dodgers job if he hadn't if they had not done such a good job in leadership in marketing and building a contender the dodgers could be in rough shape a few years from now because is is la do you think la is that good a sports market you know whether it's the traffic not being able to get them to show up to games and Uh. stuff uh, yeah, you're not liking this take, but LJ, um, you should look at across the four major sports where the champions have come the last few. Years. I don't care where the champions have come because that's all that's telling me is these teams know what they're doing, and players want to go play there because they can live in LA. I'm talking. Oh about... yes, it's a good sports market then if people want to. No, play no, no. There. I mean in terms of the fan bases. Oh, okay. I don't um, think that's there. You look at the football teams and people don't show up. If it weren't for the Rams just having a brand new stadium, I don't think people would show up. They're really more going for that. And you look at their parade last year was sad. Absolutely. downright sat that parade. But, but like the Rams, like that's a, that's like, and I totally get what you're saying. Both LA football teams are like new within the last how many years? Well, though, yeah, right? that's also their, but that's partially their own fault for leaving in the first place. Not my point. That kind of was a tangent of it. Either way, I guess my point is it's a ton- LA is not as strong a fan market as you're going to get in St. Louis, Atlanta, New York, Boston, in terms of people showing up and showing out for your team. And it's certainly not as strong and as loyal as some of these places overseas, these European clubs, and what they get time and time again, the people from their own cities traveling to other countries just to watch Champions League games and stuff like that. That's not what you get in L.A. You get the people that show up for the fourth inning. The Dodgers a few years ago, I'm not saying like a few, I'm saying like 2010, 
that could have been a tipping point for that organization in terms of financial decline and value decline because the Brooklyn Dodgers fan base, which they clung to so so much, is aging. The people that still followed them from when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers or their parents followed them, so they kind of were like, you know, five years old, but they knew the Brooklyn Dodgers and that's the team they follow. Those people, they're talk, you're talking about 75, 80 years old at this point. So that's a fan base section that's dying and they needed to make sure they created more fans. The Dodgers have done a great job of doing that through their marketing and through their team development, brand development. And that's something that goes to the bullies and volleyball. I'm all for it. But I guess my point is they're not just like, English soccer isn't giving the respect to somebody who's had the success, been there, and done a darn good job with it. Neither have Major League Baseball teams been doing that with the people that run their front office. It's always chasing the new thing rather than chasing the proven. You know, um, you you uh, talk about 2010 with the, the Dodgers. Um, I don't know how much you know about their whole ownership problem that they had in 2011 um if, if you don't like this is both for lj and for anyone listening look into it because it's one of the more interesting things that you can really get into if you're into this kind of like not if if you like this kind of behind the scenes stuff with baseball um this guy who used to run the dodgers frank mccourt it got to the point where Bud Selig, who was the MLB commissioner, basically was like the MLB had to seize control over the team because they had so little confidence in this guy's ability to run the team. Um, there was like a year of court battles and negotiations. Um, ends up getting sold to, of course, now the Guggenheim Baseball Management, who, you know, Magic Johnson and all those other big people um, are investors in, but there's like a divorce settlement that um, ended up being a really big deal, a TV deal not getting signed. So you're absolutely right by saying like that 2010, 2011, it could have been really, really bad for the Dodgers. And it's, it's no mistake that after they were sold they b- began this extreme run of dominance um and it just goes to show i i think people kind of underestimate just how much control especially in baseball and sport like soccer is a good example these owners of the team they it's gonna sound so dumb because it's it just sounds so obvious but like they have final say on everything. And a lot of these guys, they're not qualified to be making these choices. John Henry for the Red Sox, he's qualified enough to say, we don't want Mookie Betts. I have the final say. I want that trade to go through. These guys who they hire, who are extremely smart, like we just talked about with, with Scott Harris and where he went to school and what they do. And at the end of the day, they still might not be in full control. Even if you're told, yes, you're the GM, you're the president of baseball operations, um, could always be an owner that can step in and, and screw up everything. True. 
All right. Well, that ran a little longer than expected. Yeah, I that that. Well, that's mostly my fault. Um, I did not do a good job of getting that full point across, which is actually good. It's probably best because I'm going to make this point a million times to a million different groups over the next couple of weeks talking about that whole soccer take. But Brandon, do you kind of get where I was going for now where it's like, you know, Absolutely. That, that fan base, its growth or even its recession was at such a tipping point when they came in. There is there is a Dodgers brand at this point without that stretch. So due to the length of that, we are going to save Aaron Judge's multiple statistical races for tomorrow, and we'll open up with that. But Brandon, do you have anything else before we go? I do not. I will talk to you tomorrow, bud. See you manana.